Welcome to Foam Talks. This is the fourth episode of the brand new season of Foam Talks, Talent Edition. Created in collaboration with Paris Photo, this series presents eight talented image makers from both the Fers Curiosa sector and Foam Talent 2021. Each of the episodes welcomes two photographers, one of each organization's talent program. Brought together by a common theme and approach, the photographers will speak about their projects, motivations, as well as the challenges they encounter. I am Elisa Med, Editor-in-Chief of Phone Magazine, and it's a pleasure to announce the guests of this episode, Simon Lerner and Victoria Pidust. The conversation will be moderated by Shoer Mavlian. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Shoer Mavlian, Director of PhotoWorks and Curator of Curiosa 2021 at Paris Photo. Um, and I'm delighted to be speaking today with Simon, Lena and Victoria Pidust, um, two really amazing emerging photographers. Um, uh, we're, of course, still coming out of the pandemic in Europe, and this means that we're recording this podcast remotely. And in fact, um, and in fact none of us have ever met in person, um, uh, but we have corresponded before a little bit in various ways. Um, Simon, we met earlier this year as part of your inclusion in the Phone Talents program, um, where we discussed your work in a one-to-one -one virtual studio visit. Um, Simon, it's great to speak to you again. Um, where are you phoning in from today? I'm actually in Austria, in Vienna. And yeah, I'm very glad to be part of this and very excited. It's my first podcast ever, so really excited what the next few minutes will bring. <laughs> Fantastic. It's really great to be speaking with you again. Um, and Victoria, your work's been selected to be shown as part of Curiosa in, in Paris Photo. I'm really grateful to have included your work in Curiosa and I've been researching a lot about your work. Um, where are you phoning in from today? Oh, thank you for choosing me and my works to show in one Paris photo. It's uh, a great honor for me. So, um, yeah, thank you. Uh, I'm in Berlin now in, at my studio. So, and I'm glad to have this conversation uh, as well. And it's my first podcast as well. <laughs> so let's, let's do it together. <laughs> Fantastic. It's a, it's a day for firsts. Um, have two of you, have the two of you ever met before or, or do you know each other's work? Uh, no, actually we haven't met in person, but I think a couple of weeks ago I, I uh, saw that you followed me and liked my post. So I was curious what your work was about. And then after the emails, I got it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's the Victoria, you know. Uh, so <laughs> I started checking out your work. Yeah, we didn't uh, meet in person. And yeah, I, I just get to know about your work from invitation to the podcast. So I have never heard about your work before. So, but um, I'm, I like them uh, a lot. So, and the direction you're working with, for sure, it's very common to... Um, my thoughts yeah it makes a lot of sense um so you've both been paired uh for the podcast and brought together because you both use new technologies in your work or new media in your work like 3d rendering or artificial intelligence um and and i guess like from a curatorial perspective uh you're both seen to be pushing the boundaries of contemporary photography so definitely there's, um, there's some connections there with your practice. Um, but also you're both born in the 90s. You're both digital natives. You grew up with the internet, um, all of which I'm sure has really influenced the way you experience the world and the way you make art. And I'm really interested to talk about this a little bit later um, and, and how kind of growing up in a digital environment has influenced you. But first, I wanted to start by um, each of you being able to introduce your work and, and what you do. Um, so Simon, would you like to start by telling us a little bit about your work, um, either a, a specific series that you want to talk about or your practice more broadly? Mm -hmm. Of course, I um, can give you a quick overview and then maybe twinkle it down to the newest or most recent work. Um, 
So generally my work is like built on an autobiographical core as it explores psychological aspects of human emotion or memory of uh, basic cognitive um, paths um, through photographic observations. So in like in the media it's like or with media references it is circling around iterations of photographic processes ranging from large format photographs to lens-based sculptures um, and also lens-based 3D video animations. Um, as, my, as I try to further investigate like this gray space between or the space between uh, generated or computer generated images and lens based so uh, photographic images and so my source material is always or my starting material is always photography which I then try to translate into like new uh, forms into new media and yeah my topics circle around like the development of identity um, especially masculinity um, psychological aspects of memory like i said trauma and recently trauma and mental health and so and in the most recent body of work um, which is titled the mind is a voice the voice is blind which was also um, included in the foam talent uh, uh, cohort of of uh, shown works um, it, its core is again autobiographical and examines like this cognitive dialogue between uh, memories and the conscience so basically how we process inner images and especially inner traumatic images and how they interfere with uh, imagination and uh, recollection process with the recollection process so yeah Coming from my personal experiences, my work reflects on domestic and emotional, or the work, the mind is a voice, the voice is blind, reflects on uh, emotional violence, trauma, mental health, and depicts also a sort of maturation process through four characters, like a time and spatial journey. And would you like to tell us a little bit about the four characters in, in this body of work? because it, it's autobiographical, um, isn't it? Of course, yeah. Um, they run from like, or they, they depicted from, from the infant stage to the contemporary self-portrait sort of. And they are sort of like a, um, depicted uh, as four spatial journeys that represent matur the maturation process, which is based on folklore tales and those typical um sequential structures of those uh tales that you that the conscience um process of like a, a development of identity is um drawn in a spatial line through time and space uh through like a journey so yeah they're represented in the work so and thinking about photography um Am I right in to think that that archival imagery from like your own family album forms quite an important part of of the starting point for this work? Mm -hmm, exactly. Yeah. Um, what I forgot to tell you about the the four characters because one of them is actually like an alter ego of myself, a three D generated alter ego from my own um, personal childhood photographs that my mother took from a stock of or a pile of images and this is like uh, reconstructed from about 450 images or photographs um, between like 2003 2005 and the alter ego is like it represents like a cluster of traumatic um, memories or inner images because it's constructed like a sort of balloon there's only the skin the because in the 3D world, nothing has like a core. Everything is just the, uh, the skin of it. So, and yeah, he, he appears throughout the sequence. He appears throughout the project. I think we'll come back to talk about that work um, in, a, in a minute. Um, Victoria, would you like to tell us a little bit about your work? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm working with a 
I would say uh, also lens based. Um, uh, my work's based uh, on lens, so, and then I'm working with a 3D program that's um, supposed to uh, to build the 3D models, mostly in architecture, but I'm using this, this program in a wrong way, so I'm not following the structure, uh, I'm not following the rules of this, like creating 3D models in this program, but I'm trying to uh, I'm experimenting with making uh, mistakes, uh, and um, and then you becoming a model with some glitches or strange shapes um, of our reality, or uh, you can see it in other ways through these al algorithms. So I'm interested in how the algorithms can see our reality. So how they uh, like. Uh, could show us uh, some other worlds that we uh, don't allow to see. And uh, then I'm building some pictures in, uh, there is a series like it's called hybrids. And then it's like uh, mostly about the, like that I want to create a picture in a painting way, like more in, uh, intuitivity way because I'm coming from photography but I went through painting and it's a kind of like collaborative process for me that I came to the picture that it's uh, kind of the part of reality uh, that it's distracted reality and you can see it um, with the mistakes, with the, some imagination of algorithms, and um, actually, it's called photogrammetry. Uh, this process of creating a model, 3D model, and I'm trying a lot now, experimenting with different materials, and also uh, thinking a lot about more sculptural process but now I'm like living in 2D uh, um, 2D pieces so I'm creating 2D pieces now not 3D but they're based on 3D models uh, and photography so uh, I, I, I would say I like this um, um, explanation that they're lens based um, but not photography. So it's a big question what we can say, uh, what, what could call photography now? So, and I'm thinking about how it could be more free, like what is the way of uh, photography? Well, because the painting was like, it like became more free and free and free and photography going through like a similar way. So, and yeah, I'm working with this in a different way. So. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. So um, I'm really interested in, in actually some similarities that you both have. Like Victoria, you just mentioned that you started in painting um, or, or at some point, at some point you, you took up painting. Um, and, and Simon, I think you also uh, started in painting at some point. And, and I think, um, this really shows in in both of your work and your openness to different kinds of media. Um, but Victoria, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, that switch between photography, painting, and then photography again, and mm. and, and how that came about? Yeah, sure. Uh, since my childhood, I was uh, like um, I was recognizing me like as a artist and mostly photography but I but I, I loved colors so much so I wanted to paint and as I when I came to Berlin from Ukraine I, I wanted to paint and uh, I did it but uh, then I used this you know uh, this scanner for a just normal scanner for documents and then I pu was putting like some objects inside and then I was like um, pushing on it uh, to become some glitches of the reality and it was like photography in a time for me that you can change something inside and uh, but it's still a photography uh, but then I, I I wanted to have a, some kind of camera that you can 
make a click, uh, but it's a photography in time. But there is maybe maybe there is a camera, but I didn't find it, and so uh, I found it the photo uh, the photogrammetry technology um, for it. And uh, I, parallel, I was painting, and so at some point I was understand that I I need to combine it, but it with technology and photography, and, and it was. <laughs> Yeah, I was. Uh, it's. I, I'm using a planchette for this. I was using a like. Mm, I don't know how does it call. Um, anyway, you can do it with a like a, with a brush, uh, like to put many layers on the, on on the program and then put it away like with a with a brush. Uh, so it's a kind of painting process that I have used in painting. Uh, but then I combined it uh, in digital um, in digital space. Yeah, so you're describing how the tools, the digital tools you use are actually not that far away from traditional painting tools and techniques. No, for me, not really. Uh, yeah, I think it's similar process, but it's not about uh, paint, but about like... I'm taking paint from reality, capture it from reality, and then using it in digital space. Yeah. And and Simon, you also come from a background where you at least tried painting at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, al I always wanted to be a painter um, since I was like eight years old. Um, I saw a Picasso, some, a book of Picasso somewhere. And I was like, I want to do that because of the colors, of the perspectives. Of course, as an eight-year-old, that was fascinating for me. And now it's quite similar, my process, um, what Victoria talked about. It's I sort of create like, I call them echo chambers. Um, echo chambers, um, I, I call that process like that because the objects and figures I you perceive are actually trapped as they were created from my archive so um or from hundreds of old photographs from my stock of images that and which is also kind of similar like traumatic memories function because um it's like a circle a loop of always reoccurring uh, images and they are constructed like of my my new works with the fragments and with all the reconstruction processes they are like existing um in this circle they are like the same path of traumatic images because i create from my old stock new works and it's like a perfect analogy to that um recollection process so and i also take like like you said victoria like you take the paint from the contemporary world i take it from my um, from my past, sort of. So take the paint from the past and build or create something new. Yeah, so you're both using, I mean, I think what's super fascinating is that you're both using your starting point. Um, your starting point both uses images from the real world, whether in Simon's case, they're archival images, or in Victoria's case, they're images that are taken now in, in the real world. And then you translate them into this digital world and, and they're, they're used as a starting point to build something else that, that doesn't exist in, in reality. Yeah, in, in my, my newest work, I forgot to, to tell you that um, there, the last step in my newest um, hybrid paintings, I call them, actually a robot is painting like the image I created in the 3D space then. So it's... The, the, the painting process is, is more like uh, in the 3D program, it's very similar to that. And then actually the software and the algorithm of the robot from that paints like with a brush and with an airbrush, um, he has also his own like memory again. Like every software has a certain type of memory and further deiterates like the image or the, the spiral of like um abstraction again so yeah so it actually comes from photographs but really actually then a painting ends up on the canvas or on the object i painted on but how you uh 
give the photographs to this algorithm that then transform it in a painting that robot is painting like how 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 could you explain what material you use and how how could it be used and translated in the paint in the painting that robot is creating mm -hmm. um yeah first off those are all from the archive uh photographs like let's say um ch my childhood room a table from my childhood room i can crop it out i have like in 3d in the 3d space and or a tv screen or something like that so I have all those fragments from my archive and can compile a completely new scene. I can like really paint a new composition in the 3D space, um, change every direction, every perspective, transform it, whatever, distort it, you know. And and this final image, with, which is like a JPEG or a TIFF file at the, at the end, gets translated to the uh, robot and the robot has its own memory and translated again in a different way so or in a slightly altered way so <laughs> okay how i can't imagine but you know uh, but are you are you writing this uh, some kind of algorithms or what are you using for it what do yeah, you use it, it's it's about 20 to 25 programs which are um yeah, pipelined or linked together um so yeah and I had to reprogram some of them or rewrite some of them to actually work with the archive material because some of them are also based on photogrammetry and I had to rewrite them so they do what I wanted to do. Wow, sounds amazing. <laughs> and, and when you're describing the way that that works, Simon and, and Victoria really like it, it so it sounds like you're trying to figure out also how, how you can, it sounds like you like to figure out how things work. What do you think about that in, re in relation to, you know, being trained as an artist or a photographer? Really what that means now in 2021 is something totally different from what it meant a decade ago. Um, how do you pick up all of these skills? I mean, both of you use use skills from outside the art world and outside kind of the traditional training of art school. Um, how do you pick up these things and, and, and learn to translate this and manipulate them into something that can be used in your artistic practice? Yeah, I, I was very curious how, how um, what could you use uh, for this robot? It, it was very fascinating for me. I, I was imagining like um, how he's doing, but I, I, I don't have any idea how, how is it, how is it going? So yeah, uh, photography uh, nowadays, it's, uh, it's very uh, open um, sphere where you can uh, like try a lot and mostly I guess it's like you're going inside to the like this digital space like um, there's a painter we're going to the pl plein air you know to see the nature and to be fascinated and to search for something new and now um, I'm searching it or um, in this in the digital space or in Exactly, yeah, the three, 3D programs, they are very uh, inspiring me to, to, to create and to, to use the tools, uh, uh, the tools and uh, photography, it's now, it's, I don't know, it's lens-based, I guess, um, picture, uh, I would say, and a screenshot could be photography um, from, 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 screen so um yeah i totally agree it doesn't make sense anymore to try and confine and restrict photography to one thing um it can be so many things and it can be made in so many different ways and that's super exciting actually i'm, I'm also interested in in kind of i guess it also comes back to a little bit to do with kind of traditional historic photography but this idea of real images versus generated images I think this idea of real and generated images, uh, I mean, I think there is an argument that no images is real anyway, regardless of whether it's taken by a camera or not. But how important is this for you in terms of um, 
thinking about reality and the real. I kind of have a feeling of what I know you're both going to say, but I'd like to hear your take on that. Uh, yeah, for me, uh, reality is still very important. So I'm actually working with some other series of works. It's called uh, like uh, iPhone series. So I'm still taking iPhone photos, uh, just zoom in and uh, becoming a really bad quality and that go in an abstract way and I'm searching for the colors and composition and uh, some strange objects that actually not remind they are not reminding an object that they are it's real life so uh, this is still fascinating me or just analog abstract photography that I'm working uh, with uh, but for sure in um, digital space you can achieve more you can um, you can search for some unexpected things um, there is more possibilities than in real life uh, because it was so uh, you know the history of photography it's like you, it's very hard to um, to find something that it was not photographed or uh, some topics or I don't know, some objects or whatever. So that's why the digital and internet now it's like mm, very fascinating spaces for the research and work, and work with it further. Mm -hmm. I, I see it um, more like a documentary fiction for myself. It's like, because they are based in real because the input material is photography it's like and documents of my childhood for example or surroundings that i lived in or could be anything but it's like a document so it's like a and then i translate it into something quite fictional actually which has but a certain uh, aspect of truth in it uh, still so I quite like that, uh, but I don't know what you expected or um, what we would say. <laughs> well, it's really interesting that you mentioned truth, actually, because I guess you're implying that photography holds some kind of truth. Yeah, no, but some kind of truth, because when you document like uh, your child, for example, there is some time and space where that's okay, uh, that's the truth, but I mean, for journalistic purposes, there is no truth um, in there. So, yeah, I agree totally with the same. So that this aspect is also like a daily diary for me works uh, very well, like documentary, uh, like Zamlen, um, House of an English, making a collection of uh, some some daily life and uh, document some. Um, situations that happen in real life for me is uh, also very important. Yeah, so the camera is still important in terms of um, documenting life and memories and kind of capturing a moment in time that you can either use now or in the future. Um, it really sounds like it's photography is definitely there as the source material um, for, for both of you. Um, and, and thinking about uh, thinking about this kind of crossover between different mediums um is there anything else you want to talk about in relation to how you use many different mediums and techniques in making your work and then thinking about how this is translated into an installation format or an exhibition format um would you like to talk a little bit about that yeah in the in the last couple of years um it it really um exponentially um, grew into something more than photography for me it, it was not just oh yeah that's the new thing but just grew sort of for itself so at first it was like photographs then 3d renderings um, based on photographs and then all the reconstruction processes began and recently or more recently i tried to mix in like sculptural pieces um, where for example, every pixel of the input photograph is like extracted. So it becomes sort of like a, a, a landscape um, of high and low spikes, which plays again with the viewer's perception 
and simultaneously resembles um, like a recollection process again how we uh, form inner images in our um, in our mind and also like the like I mentioned the 3D animation videos um, which are all then displayed or installed in the same uh, room there's no hierarchy hierarchy in my in the in the uh, sequence sequence of that so um, yeah uh, so I try to mix it up and maybe I have a ground rule that is like three different media in one body of work so it doesn't get overcrowded with new sensory um, uh, income for the viewer so you have to get adjusted to maybe five of these painting hybrids then two videos and maybe one sculpture and that's it so I try to really formulate it beforehand and on the on a piece of paper and then actually produce the work and really have a structure like a storyboard in, in for movies beforehand. Wow. So do you think about the installation, like the exhibition format in in quite a structured and rigid way? Like you said, you're yes, storyboarding yes. it. So it's it's really about how this work translates into the physical space. Yeah, of course, because my for for the last three years, also my big um, goal was to get photography, the two D photography plane into the three D space, but in a different in a different way to really feel like an image, to have to if you um, can touch it, that was the uh, one of the main goal, and it has to hurt you or could hurt you. Let's say it like that. Um, because of the pixels, for example, in the, in the sculpture that are so thin and uh, poignant that you could hurt yourself if you would fall on it or if the sculpture would fall on you. So it has to really also have like a sort of immersive um, uh, feel or, or touch to it. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and Victoria, when you're installing your work, sometimes you put images on the floor or you have kind of sculptural installations that morph between 2D framed images and more 3D sculptural installations. How, how important is it to mix everything together for you and, and how do you construct these installations? Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you. Uh, I'm actually searching for it from one exhibition to the second next one. So it's a process that I'm trying to find out how better to combine the works from different series and how to show them and how uh, to make strong relationship between. So and now I was trying to put the work on the floor and on the walls and make it to work with a space uh, like maybe that you can imagine that you are in 3D space and um, you see some different picture like on your desktop or something like this. Uh, yeah, but I'm not working now with a 3D uh, object. Uh, yeah, but we'll see. <laughs> so now it's only 2D but based on 3D space. And is it quite site specific? So you you change the way a, a, a work looks depending on what space it's installed in? Mm, the work, not really, but uh, yeah, it's, um, it's space, uh, how did you say, sorry? Uh, work uh, space specific, yes. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I'm trying to work with the space for sure and to play with it when you know that uh, you have uh, the exhibition there and so it's depend on the space and how the work could be influenced in a better way. So I'm making 3D models uh, in Cinema 4D and then you can put there the works and to see how it works. Um, uh, it's very, very useful. <laughs> yeah. And um, <laughs> maybe a bit of a controversial question. Has either of you worked with curators recently and how, um, how do curators respond to maybe some of the more experimental ways that you would like to work? Um, I think particularly photography curators are, 
are relatively used to um, hanging photographs in frames. Um, and then when, you know, when artists really want to push the boundaries, it becomes a, quite an intense dialogue about uh, about how to how to make it work. Um, do you have any experiences uh, of navigating that, pushing things into the experimental? Um, yeah, uh, quite rec recently I I stumbled upon that gap between photo photograph curators and also like fine art cura curation and something completely different. Um, I think it's like two complete, com completely um, different worlds because what I, what I realized is that, um, like you said, um, photography and curation is like more like, okay, it's put it plain on it, on, on the wall, frame it. It has to be like fine. But in, in with fine art and, 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 and like transferring right now into gallery and, and into fine art, spaces more so it's completely they want that that it's something else than photography um they really appreciate that for my um, experience at least so and i also i think that's the bubble i want to be or want that my work wants to be seen in so or the the context more so but yeah it was a quite a strange um moment when i really oh yeah there's a difference. I didn't knew that before. Uh, I probably I didn't have so much experience before with the working with the creator, um, but um, what I had um, the last one it was exhibition in Bonn. It's curated by um, was curated by Katia Andrea, and it was like she she has the same vibe uh, to make it in a freeway. So uh, I was happy with it that it shouldn't be in a frame, shouldn't be exposed like a normal photography. And I was really happy with this to experiment uh, in a space. Uh, yeah. By the next one, solo show, I, I'll do the same, but in my own. So <laughs> we'll see. Great. And there might be, um, I've been thinking a lot about uh, how exhibitions tried to go online during the pandemic. And I think there's probably this um, false assumption that work that uses kind of digital technologies or new media somehow is better suited to be shown online. Um, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about that and, and ask you if you've had any experience exhibiting online or or how you as artists show your work online or use the kind of digital online context is it something that's important to you or is it something that um, you'd prefer your work being experienced in the physical space mm, i guess for me now with the 3d um, video animations and, and such i realize they, they really work well in the digital space as well as as a lone um, piece of, of work so and I also try test or I'm into like dipping into the waters of NFT right now um, because of the Koenig gallery um, and so I think it's quite interesting how also the art market will shift and that's my main curiosity right now of that. Um, so yeah, and my works can be seen here or there. I mean, sculpture works, it's really difficult to really translate them, but that was like 10 years ago, the same thing. But with these 3D sculpture works that are also can be shown, like uh, Victoria, you mentioned you make like uh, 3D spaces before the exhibition. Um, I do that also because it's the best way to really have like a three-dimensional feeling of what the piece of what the dimensions would feel like um, in the actual space then. And when you can recreate that in the digital space and you can walk through it, like uh, had like reformat festival uh, and exhibition that was only digital. I think that's quite uh, interesting. I mean, it is a certain hype, I would say for, with the digital exhibitions i don't know if it can hold its um line of uh, curiosity but i think it's here to stay and, and i quite like it 
Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, it should be both. Uh, the digital is quite good and helpful. Um, yeah, but we are we're living in real life. We are from material, <laughs> so we need to, um, the things. Uh, so I would say for my work, it could be both as well. So they could be NFTs, they could be shown online, uh, they um, could be shown in a real exhibition and it will be something different but anyway it's good both and I, I have participated in one exhibition it called uh, Dig It it was online during pandemic it was on Calder platform and uh, yeah, there were some digital works of mine and then were some people they wanted to have it in real. So and then it was funny game. So how to how to realize them? So it was funny because the um, um, client, <laughs> I would say, bar, uh, he. It was a dialogue. We, we would say uh, we have decided like together how we should <laughs> like to bring in life. So it was kind of it was kind of like funny uh, moments that you can. Um, born a piece in real, <laughs> so um, not born, yeah, born piece in real, like to be born. And could you realize the the sculpture then? Was it? No, possible? it was not sculpture, but it was a picture. Oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's okay. But but um, uh, I have to realize it, and it's hanging. It's um, it's good as well in digital space and in real life. Uh, it works good both. So. Yeah. I think that's so fascinating because I I think for both of you, the, the really interesting thing about your work is this shift, like the way that it moves between the digital and the physical and how each time it's translated into something else and it kind of evolves back and forward. Um, so, yeah, I, I and actually I think seeing it, experiencing it in, in the physical world um is like an unexpected surprise actually, because you, you would assume that it would um, live really happily like in its native form in, in the digital world. But actually I think really it's that conversation back and forward between the two, which is super important. Okay, Victoria, I had one question for you and it's kind of, it's, it's related to, um, it's related to this idea of, uh, of how we use um in art we kind of use terms from the past like collage and we just stick the word digital in front of it and we we call something digital collage um and i read somewhere that you uh don't really like the word collage or don't really uh think about it think about your work in relation to our traditional sense of collage um and i thought that was really that was really kind of a great thing to to put out there um, do you want to tell us a little bit about how how you think about that? Uh, yes, it's totally true. Uh, why? I, I, I can say um, because painting it's not collage, photography it's not collage and something in between for me it couldn't be a collage. It's maybe more or less generated uh, picture, uh, digital picture and... Uh, yeah, it's somehow glued parts from different realities in one, um, but it's not about collage. I Yeah, I thought it was super interesting because um, there is this tendency to put the word digital in front of in front of a historic term and, and somehow people think it means the same thing. But I think your explanation is is really true, actually. Um, you're using painting and photography, neither of which are have anything to do with collage actually i get that um that term from many uh, viewers also like collage oh it's a collage and they say always no 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 it's not a collage <laughs> it's and then i try to explain the process and and how more similar it is to painting than to a collage process and yeah but that happens to me also a lot <laughs> um and just before we uh, just before we close things up, um, I wanted to I wanted to hear a little bit more from you about um, your work in terms of you know what does it mean to be making work now, 
do you think your work is linked to a wider social context um, or not? It doesn't have to be. Victoria, did you want to speak a little bit about uh, about how you see your work fitting into uh, everything else that's happening in the world at the moment? Yeah, I will, I will try at least. Uh, I'm seeing that I'm um, very interested in this kind of other point of view on reality and it's uh, also with uh, mistakes and with some grey gaps that we could see in, uh, in our perception of the things that uh, you can see is a, like some facts or reality from some points of view but, but from some points of view you can see it and uh, you have a grey gap in your um, perception uh, uh, or memory or whatever so it's kind of like um, distortion of effects on distortion of reality uh, which is uh, very um, popular now nowadays because of the, the huge amount of different information and uh, the really simple possibility to uh, influence on the creating of reality that we are becoming from internet, news, social medias and so on. So I guess it's a huge uh, transforming of reality that happening in this, uh, with these objects and at the time scanning. Um, yeah, I, I would say it's uh, it's mass, it's um, intends to show in the mess and um, to create some harmony from this to, I don't know. So uh, it's just thinking. Yeah, yeah so it's connected to, um, so you, you see, you feel like your work's connected to this kind of wider um, issue of, of misinformation and over-information and how that gets kind of filtered and mixed together. Mm-hmm. When I'm thinking about the process of creating, yeah, it's remind me of this uh, very well. But the topics that I'm talking uh, for sure are not so uh, <laughs> kind of important as the, uh, what's happening um, in general in the world. And if we are talking about politics or something like this, it's um, I'm translating it in this feeling in art about this mess, uh, what is happening around. Um, yeah. Yeah, and your work's quite abstract as well, um, visually. So that kind of comes through as well in in the way that you're abstracting the world around you. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, you're right. And Simon, um, I wanted to hear a little bit more from you about kind of the um, the background of your work and and how how important it is for you to put these personal stories translate these personal stories um into in in your artwork um and particularly your work has a lot of vulnerability in it i think and um would you like to talk a little bit about how that uh speaks to kind of the wider context you mentioned mental health earlier in the conversation Mm -hmm. yeah um, i think my my topic circle around like uh, mental health, uh, trauma, uh, and also like identity. And especially as a young boy for myself, um, without having like a father or a parental figure in in my life, um, I searched for like, I searched a long time for that. And especially because of that, it's like the strong topic is uh, also masculinity and for uh, especially toxic masculinity. And, but with the, and all those topics like come together in everything or in every body of work I try to, to make. It's not really, I can't really um, decide, okay, I want just this thing because at the end of the project, I, uh, I realize, oh yeah, everything is again in there. I can't escape from it. So I can't run from uh, these topics. They, they are just naturally um it's like a well of uh in in, inside of me so and i always have to decipher before i even start producing um the works 
what why is like a certain topic or a theme or mood resonating with me that much so my process is really a dreadful one three months of like writing a piece of paper before i even start producing and getting to work and but with my newest or with the most recent two bodies of works um it's like a sort of search for a visual language to make trauma or mental health tangible within the media medium of photography and i think i think we as artists we always try to develop our own visual language or visual um, atmosphere or sphere and but we don't even know if anyone else is can speak that language with us so um if i only show, show my point of view i actually have no chance of success um that the viewer gets it so but if i formulate it in my work so it gets like a more symbolic character um the viewer will like will likely be more um can can likely more relate to it and also attach to some points or like a, the mood of the of the work more and that's what I try to come from myself and then try to formulate it into something um, relatable or at least a, a mood that you can relate to so the viewer can also attach to it. Yeah, I think you can definitely see that in your work. Um, it, it starts with the really personal journey and the personal stories, but then it speaks about the much wider context of, of these um, issues of trauma and mental health and and toxic masculinity and i i think that the way that you described um attempting to create a new visual language is is actually a super important point um just to touch on at the end here um because i think both of you are, are really stepping into the into the into the world of creating a new type of visual language. We've stepped away from photography, we've stepped away from um, reality or figuration in many ways, um, but there's still really powerful messages that, that the audience can relate to um, as they kind of interact with the work in, in, this, in this new way. I think that's a really good place to end the conversation. And um, thank you, Victoria and, and Simon. And I'm really looking forward to see how you both develop this new visual language moving forward. Thank you, Char. Thank you, Simon. 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 <laughs> uh, it was a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, I guess it's um, it's there is much more <laughs> to discuss, but I guess next time could be much more. <laughs> yeah. Thank you to you both. Um, it was a pleasant debut for me for podcasts and i could see myself do a lot more yeah thank you thank you for listening do not miss the works of the artist and visit the phone talent digital exhibition at talent.form.org and the curiosa sector at paris photo this episode of phone talks was brought to you as a part of the phone talent program the phone talent program and the annual talent issue of phone magazine are supported by the deutsche borse photography foundation and the Van der Neende Foundation. Please keep an eye on our social media for the next episode. Viva! <laughs>